What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me today is, of course, Luis Barranco. We're back. Baseball's back, Luis, as well. Spring training has been going for about a week now, and it's great to see the players back in action on the diamond, the sounds of baseball, the the vibrance, the 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 warm weather in Florida, which obviously you get to experience all the time, is back, and we're we're starting to get in full swing here. Yeah, man. Today in Florida, it was actually 80 degrees. I walked out of the library and man, oh man, it was, it felt good to be outside. You know, it, it wasn't too hot nor too cold. It's like that perfect vitamin D's hitting your skin. You know, it's crispy, just crispy, crispy, crispy. And, you know, last weekend we had the start of college baseball. So, you know, baseball is back. You know, you have spring training. Guys are, uh, we're getting clips of guys going deep. Like I saw this morning, uh, Acuna took a Max Freed deep in a live BP. I saw also Josh Donaldson get a single off Carlos Rodon in live BP. So, hey, that's that's a good start for the Yankees season this year. I yeah, mean, hang his jersey in Monument uh, Park after that. I also saw Schwarber went deep off of... Painter or Mick Abel? I Painter? believe it was Painter. Um, what number? 76 or 74? I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see the we'll clip. Have- it was hard to see in the clip, but it was said he hit a home run off the top pitching prospect for the Phillies. So I'm pretty sure that's Andrew Painter because that dude's going to be in the big leagues this year. But anyway, also games start Friday. So look forward to that as well um, in in spring training. Baseball is starting to get back in full swing. But we've had some news since, you know, players have started reporting to camps in both Florida and Arizona. So we're going to cover, you know, a lot of the news that we've Missed over the past couple of weeks uh, since our last podcast. I think our last podcast was last week or the week before. So it's been it's been a bit of time. So there's been some stories that have come out, and we're going to also hit on some transactions later in the podcast. And then Louise hinted that we're going to talk a little bit of college baseball at the end, just because that season started and there's actually real meaningful games being played for as much as we love spring training. These games mean absolutely nothing. Um, and by the end of it, we'll be so sick of spring training and ready for the regular season. But Hey, before you start, before you start, I got a question. Yes. Which league are you going to be watching in spring training? Are you going to keep track of the grapefruit or the cactus league? Um, well, obviously I'll be paying attention to the Yankees in the grapefruit league. Um, but there are a lot of storylines to follow this spring training. I actually might write an article about some of the biggest storylines to follow in spring training this year. But I would say probably more grapefruit just because of the Yankees. I will say I've been to spring training at in both leagues. And Arizona is a lot of fun just because it's all like basically in the Phoenix area. And you can pretty much hit every stadium in that uh, in the in the Cactus League. I mean, my dad did that once for uh, spring break. That was pretty fun. So both both are actually like pretty cool good vibes um but probably more grapefruit just because the yankees what about you i mean for me i just want to watch quality baseball i think that there's more quality teams out in arizona but i mean since i'm in florida this year and like i am fairly close to a bunch of sites so i might just be more into the grapefruit for example like you said the biggest thing about the grapefruit league is that it's so spread out so for example for listeners that don't know, historically, the Yankees are based out of Tampa. And so for me to get to Tampa is a three-hour, four-hour drive. So it's really, like, not feasible to go for, like, one day and come back in comparison to, like, a Port St. Lucie or a Jupiter, which is only, like, an hour and a half out from my place. So I can catch and see the 
Cardinals or the Mets play and then come back because it's it's scattered all over like Florida from Naples. That's where the Red Sox are based out of, and that's two hours from me westward on the other side of the coast. That's West Florida, and um, that's pretty much it. There's no teams up in the Orlando area, but a lot of teams are really like based out of like Tampa. You know, you got your couple in Jupiter and Port St. Lucie, if I can think correctly. Right. I mean, you have to go to the other side of the state, which, I mean, Florida is not not everything is super close. They're all in southern Florida, not, no one in the panhandle or anything. The You have the Braves, actually, that are based in Orlando, I think, right? They're in Disney. I'm, I'm looking that up right now. So, Astros are up there as well, but so, it, it's a bit of a hike. The Red Sox are in Fort Myers. Yeah, Red Sox are in Fort Myers, and I know they split. They have their own base in Fort Myers. Like the Yankees also, like the Steinbrenners have their own base in Tampa. So Red Sox play at JetBlue Field. Yankees play at George Steinbrenner Field. Twins are also in Fort Myers. Um, a lot of teams are actually in Tampa, like the Tampa area. Like you got the Pirates and the Phillies, both in the Tampa-ish area. They're in Bradenton. Actually, I've been to the Pirates Spring Training Stadium. It's pretty nice. Yeah, there's also uh, Sarasota. Uh, Orioles are in Sarasota, so there the lower teams towards Miami area would be the Astros in West Palm, Jupiter, which is the Marlins, Mets in Port St. Lucie, and Cardinals that are also in Jupiter. And there's then, more teams in Western Florida though than where you are, unfortunately. And then, and then Tampa, no, West Palm also has the Nats. So. There's, I'm looking at the map right now. There's five teams in the South Florida area, and then the rest are all in the West Florida area, and then the Tampa, Fort Myers area. Where, so, versus like Arizona, where it's all basically in Phoenix. Yeah, and so, I mean, out of the teams, just like a quick little grapefruit recap. I know this wasn't planned. I mean, you're, you've got the Blue Jays. They're going to be pretty good to watch. Tigers is pretty much another rebuilding the rebuild year. So they'll be pretty fun to see in spring training, just seeing some of their youth. Um, Phillies, also pretty good. Should you, you literally have the Phillies, the Yankees, the Orioles, the Braves, and then the Twins and Rays on one side. And those are all like fairly competitive teams. While in the South Florida – you have out of the five teams, which are the Mets, Cardinals, Marlins, Astros, and Nationals, you have three of them that actually have are competitive. So it's all right. It's there's a lot of mid teams, not gonna lie. Yeah. Whole lot of mid. You should go. I mean, it's far, but the Orioles. I would be curious to go watch the Orioles play just because 19-year-old Jackson Holiday, who's only played like 20 games of professional baseball made the big he got an invite to big league camp playing he's gonna be playing in games with this big league team which is kind of crazy to think the dude's 19 years old dude's 19 dude can't even drink a, a beer legally he looks i mean he looks like a, a like a baby he's got a baby face it's it's wild that's that's wild and i mean the biggest thing about spring training for the listeners it's like seeing a lot of like the young guys and seeing like those camp battles it's kind of like you know how with NFL you have the quarterback battles. That's a lot of what's going on in spring training. Like some teams are deciding who's going to be their number four and number five guy right. in the spring rotation. Some guys are deciding who's the fourth or fifth outfield. So those are kind of like big things to watch. Fourth infielders. I mean, for the Yankees, which we'll speak about later in another pod, you know, it's that left field competition and who's going to be the shortstop and the third baseman this year. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting 
Aaron Boone came out and said that all of the Yankees shortstops will be playing other positions in the infield this camp. So we could see IKF at third, Volpe at sec uh, at short, and Peraza at second. But are you trying to see that? I'm trying to see Volpe at short, and I'm not trying to see IKF at, at third. I will say IKF statistically is a much better third baseman than he is a shortstop. He's not really meant to be a shortstop. So, but that's not the problem. His bats never the the defense has never been a problem. It's always been. I mean, the, it was a problem last year when he was playing short, but like historically, like we got to we got it's a bat. Yeah. So yeah, well, I, I you know my feelings on Josh Donaldson, but we don't need to talk about the Yankees. I think the biggest story. Or the two biggest stories we'll hit on first. Uh, the first one, you know, coming out of camp early were were, were that uh, was that story uh, with Corbin Burns and that really awkward interview that he had outside of uh, Brewers camp. Where if you don't know, um, Corbin Burns went to arbitration, salary arbitration with the Brewers heading into this season, and you know he wanted ten point seven five mil. The Brewers were only willing to give him 10.01. So they're like $700,000 off here, which in the grand scheme of things is very, very marginal. And obviously, you know, in these arbitration hearings, the the Brewers or the, whatever team is negotiating the salary with the player basically is coming up with every, you know, a laundry list of reasons as to why that player is not worth the salary that he wants. It's It creates a very awkward situation. And obviously Burns didn't get exactly what he wanted. And he had this awkward interview. I can, I can quote uh, from it here. He says, quote, obviously it's tough to hear. It's tough to take. They're trying to do what they can to win a hearing. There's no denying that the relationship is definitely hurt from what transpired over the past couple of weeks. There's really no way of getting around that. He said, you kind of find out your true value. You think you work hard for seven years in the organization and five years with the big league team and you get in there and basically the value much different than what you thought you, you'd contributed toward the organization. They want it. When it came down to winning or losing the hearing, it was more than that for me. So, and then Burns went on to say, it seems like the Brewers basically said he was the main reason they didn't make the playoffs last year. Um, and, you know, this is, this is pretty embarrassing in my opinion for a front office, which I mean, we know has a history of being cheap, right? They're a smaller market team. Uh, haven't really lured in any big free agents. Don't really have any, you know, massive contracts in their history, but I mean, to, to to you know haggle over seven hundred thousand dollars for a guy the one that won the NL Cy Young in twenty twenty one has been an All Star for two straight seasons has a two point six two ERA over the past three seasons you know he's been one of the best five pitchers in the entire league and you're haggling over seven hundred thousand dollars now you piss the guy off now you know he can go out and demand a trade there's already trade ru- rumors swirling around or he's going to be a free agent after the 24 season. He still has two years under contract uh, next year will be another year of arbitration. Um, and, you know, he could be a free agent and, you know, I mean, there's a very, very low chance that he's going to resign with the Brewers. So just a really bad look for the Brewers, in my opinion, in this situation, I'm curious your thoughts. I think it's very stupid from the Brewers. Let's be honest. Last year he pitched uh, 20 games. He went 12 and eight with a 2.94 ERA which, you know, a sub three ERA is a pretty big deal when we're talking about 20 games. Uh, he pitched 33 games last year with a 2.94 ERA. Sorry, I misread. He went 12 and eight. I missed it. Yeah, I misread. Uh, he pitched 202 innings last year. I kind of think that's very stupid of the Brewers. He is the number one guy in that rotation. I just don't get their logic. Like their whole team construction is based off pitching. 
when you look at one thing that the Brewers do really well on is that they really do build pitchers. They're really able to develop pitchers. You have Brandon Woodruff, you have Corbin Burns, Josh Hader, who was in that system. And now you don't want to pay their top dog. That's, I mean, that's alarming. Something has to be going on, in my opinion, because I don't get why you don't want to pay him 700K. And I mean, if I'm him, I'm just like not going to pitch. I'm going to try to hold out. Not hold out, but like I'm going to try to conserve my arm for the next two years and try to get paid. And the thing is, it's kind of like, where's that team going in the scope of the whole NL Central? You go look at that team, and uh, they're probably the third or second best team in that division, and the Cubs aren't very far off. Cubs might be that sleeper dark horse team, which we'll talk about in our division preview that they can get up there. So you're really trying to be the second or you're trying to be the third best team in a division when you have the NL East as probably having three playoff teams and the West has two playoff teams. So I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't understand what they're trying to do. And it's kind of like, you have to start thinking about what their timeline is. And if you're not going to pay a guy what he wants, you're not going to extend them. You're going to be cheap. Why don't you just cash in now when his value is probably going to be his highest? You know, he has one more year arbitration, one more year team control, and he's 28, which is a really good age. You could get at least four top 100 prospects or – four top 10 guys in the system. Yeah, it would be a a mother load of a trade. I think teams would line up for that. And, you know, his numbers are kind of, you know, for me, his numbers are very uh, misleading. For example, 12 and 8 is very misleading because, let's be honest, the Brewers didn't put many runs at all. They were like bang average in the league for putting up runs. I mean, the guy, yeah, I I think we all can agree. Win loss is kind of an irrelevant stat at this point, but I mean, the guy led the league in strikeouts last year. He led the league in games started. So he's a workhorse and he's striking everybody out. Dude had 243 strikeouts last year. And then in his Cy Young year in 21, he had 234 strikeouts. Guy's a workhorse and he's only 28 years old. So yeah, I think you absolutely, if you're, not willing him, not willing to pay him that extra seven hundred thousand dollars. You clearly don't value him that much, in my opinion. That's just you have the money to spend, right? So, okay, what's the direction of this franchise? Like you said, you pointed out the division. I think maybe they have the philosophy that hey, if we head into the playoffs, we have you know three elite level arms in Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. Peralta is going to be you know back fully healthy, hopefully this season. He battled injuries all of last year. So maybe that's their thought process is we're going to dominate and win with our pitching in October. But, you know, again, if you don't value Burns that, you know, as highly as clearly everybody else would and the other team would like, do you cash in at this, this year? There's already Dodgers being rumored. Like, do you trade a Bobby Miller and like a Ryan Pepio plus another one of their top prospects? I don't, I I thought if I'm the Dodgers cash in, I'm, if I'm the Dodgers, I don't cash in. That's just my opinion. I would just sit on what I have because clearly they're not in a win now mode. 
But my whole thing with the Brewers is, is like, they're really just a bang average baseball team. You fall into the thing that, like, you're not good enough to win the World Series. You're not good enough to make it to the end, but you're not bad enough to be scooping up prospects in the draft. So then what are you going to do? Are you just going to let them walk and get a, a competitive bounce pick? At that point, you're just cashing in, trade them for four or five top prospects. And, you know, there's a lot of teams. Starting pitching is – we talked about this with – um, what's his name? With Pablo Lopez. Starting pitching is the most valuable thing in baseball. And if you have one, like, workhorse arm, then you should 100%, you know, go get him or trade him if you're not doing that. And, you know, the Marlins could be in that position from a year from now with Sandy where they don't see anything and they just have to rebuild the rebuild. Same thing with the Braves, and it's been floated about that if Max Freak doesn't sign, they can't come to terms, they're going to have to cash in and get whatever they can back for him. Right. And we're, we're talking about Corbin Burns who pitched 202 innings, which is one-third of an inning short of Miles uh, Mikolas. And that would be fourth best in the in the majors, and he had a top twenty ERA. Like it's crazy. Like why don't you want to pay a guy who's that good? It, it, it's, I, 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 I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And it's just like you clearly already like like I think about it like a game of poker. You know, like when you play poker, you don't want to show your hand early you want to keep your cards close to your chest and if and if the brewers already showed like all right we're going to play cheap so from a player's perspective you're not going to pay me and you players want to get paid because you don't know when the career can just end you know we don't wish injury on anybody but you don't know that day that you can like oh slip on a banana peel or have one of those freak injuries or like Joel Zumaya playing guitar hero back in the day right Right. so it's kind of like you want to get paid and then I feel like some players that are really good want to win. I understand some players don't value winning. They just value on making it a career, which is okay. But I think a guy like Corbin Burns, who's been at the top for many years, he should just, you know, if you're shorting him on a minuscule amount of money, then I feel like then you should just like, why? why? What's the point? If you're going to jip me for this amount of money, you're just going to be cheap on all the other positions. And we've seen this with the Brewers. Like, they haven't gone out and gotten, like, high-level talent. Like, they have gotten Yelich, but other than that, okay, Willie Adamas and what else? They don't make needle-making, needle-mover-making moves. Yeah, and I think you finally hit on the point that I was going to get to is the Brewers need Christian Yelich to be himself this year or third screwed, especially offensively. I mean, the guy, the guy's fallen off the face of the earth, if we're being honest, and they're, they're paying him $26 million a year through 20, 2028. So this guy's on the books for a long time, and his value's plummeted. So, you know, that's if you if you go look at, like, some of the worst contracts in, in all of the league, I think that Yelich one's right up there. So I really hope Yelich can turn it around. That's certainly, you know, something that um, Brewers fans have been waiting for. He hasn't really been himself since, what, 20... 2020 2019 season it's been a minute so that's huge they do have jackson churio and sal freelich in in the minors two outfielders some top top 50 prospects but 
We're not going to see we're not going to see Churio this year. He's only like 18, 19 years old, and we're Freelick will be probably up this year. But I mean, how much is he? You know, is he going to change your offense right away? <laughs> the guy's twenty two years old. He's still super young as well. He was drafted in two thousand twenty one. So, um, but then at that point, that, at that point, what I'm saying is like, if you're banking on Jackson Churio and Sal Freelick of the guys in the future, at that point, he doesn't fit the timeline, and you're just better off cashing in. And I think the best team that does a good job at deciding their timelines is the Guardians. The Guardians do a really good job being like, okay, we have this talent coming up, but we have this one really good guy right now, but we know it's not our time right now. So why don't we just sell now and just retool for the next year? And that's how they stay relevant. And we've seen many examples of that. Look at Trevor Bauer, that Trevor Bauer trade. They knew that the guy you know, was a great pitcher, but then they knew they weren't in contention. So let's just pick up assets and flip. Yeah. I, I think the the Dodgers are doing a good job of that right now, too, in, in the sense that they have, like you talked about, they have the top guys in Freeman, but they also have some of the top prospects If and they have arguably the best farm system in baseball. So they're kind of balancing two timelines right now, which, you know, Steve Cohen, the owner of, of the, the Mets has talked about, how they're going to get under or try to get closer to the luxury tax threshold over the course of the next few years is build up that farm system. So they don't have, you know, nothing but high salary guys that they get out and get, get in free agency. But, you know, back to the brewers. I think if you're them, they should just cash in as soon as possible um, on birds. Unfortunately, just, I I don't see it's, it's, it it feels untenable at this point after those comments, very, very awkward time, time heals all. So, you know, we'll follow this story throughout the course of the year, but um, I, I don't know for me, like if I was in that situation and my employer tell, is telling me reasons why, you know, I'm not worth X salary, like you wouldn't feel welcome there. Any that's true of anybody. So very awkward situation. I, I think it speaks to the issue in baseball as a whole, the whole arbitration system is, is just wild and prevents players from getting money, you know, when they should, you know, I, I wish, we we went to free agency quicker than than we do in baseball. This arbitration is a very weird process, um, but it is the way it is. I don't think it'll ever change because these owners don't want to pay the players sooner than they have to. But it, it creates very awkward situations like this year after year for for all these top players, and it can can harm some reputations or or harm some relationships for sure. And at that point, and this is my final point: if I'm the Brewers. And it's, let's say, June, July, and we're 500. And these two teams are, are fairly decent. I'm, I'm picking up the call from Arizona and from Baltimore. Because mm. I'm looking at the whole landscape. You don't want to trade interdivisionally, so you're not going to trade them to the Cardinals. you got to look at what teams have the prospect call. Orioles – Definitely fit that. Uh, Yankees are too stingy. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. None, none of the AL East teams are in it. Central teams all are garbage cans right now. Not garbage cans, but like just you know, mid, just midrick. And the West, I mean, the Angels just want to blow everything up and just go for it one year this year. I mean, yeah. So Houston, who who from the D backs are are you trying to get? I feel like Carroll and Jones are off the off the table. Or maybe even Seattle. Seattle or Texas could make a play. 
one of those two. I just think Seattle doesn't have the farm because they yeah. gave most of it up. So it's really just Texas, Baltimore, or Arizona, and obviously the Dodgers. And, and San Francisco in the wings, but I don't think they have the farm for them. If you're Arizona, if you're going for Arizona, who, who like a Jordan Lawler? Probably. That's, you're probably starting out at that price. I mean, they have a bunch of outfielders, so, I mean, you have to move one. And you could probably do the Jackson Lawler trade with Alec Thomas, base starting starting price, and maybe another thing. And then Arizona's walking in with Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly as their two big guys starting. Well, Burns, of course. Burns, those three, and that would be a formidable three if both of the other two take a step this year. And obviously Baltimore is a team just sitting on a war chest right now that I feel like they're like the next team to like push their chips in real soon. I think so too. And I think it makes so much sense. And that would be actually very scary because that is a pitcher's park. And yeah. And if they, you know, if uh, Grayson hit and DL actually pan out with Dean Kramer and Corbin Burns, oh, they, they actually have four guys that can like you can throw out there. That's arguably the best rotation in baseball for like the next five years because all those guys are very, very young. Very, very young. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that too. And, like, Texas could do it, but, of course, DeGrom's already delayed. Did you see – DeGrom's already here. Did you see that a screenshot of, like, the Brewers or the Rangers social media team had, like, six fun facts and, like, they have you fill it out. Like, it's my ninth year in the league. I love spending time with blank or I love blank. Uh, my favorite thing to do is blank. And, like, DeGrom came up with the most possible bland answers you can possibly think of. No, I didn't see that. I, I I was reading like an article from DJ LeMahieu's favorite things, and DJ LeMahieu sounds like a. I'm sorry, he, he sounds so bland. Oh, he is incredibly bland. Yeah, how, I don't know if you've seen like tick the teams that will do like TikToks, and the players are walking in, and like the social media team will have like a question of the day that they have to answer. I think no, I did not see that. So for the well, a lot of teams do this across sports, but for the Yankees. They had, I think the question was like, who's your favorite character to use in Mario Kart walking in to spring training facility yesterday? And DJ LeMay, who just said pass. <laughs> he said, I'll pass. Bro. Like Everyone's giving answers, like even Garrett Cole. Even Garrett Cole out of all people. If yeah. Garrett Cole's giving you an answer and you're not giving an answer, you, there's something wrong with you, man. I think Garrett, he's, Cole, Garrett Cole's one of the most stoic guys in baseball. He's up there. He has a little bit of a personality. I feel like DJ either is is very bland or like he's kind of like a Kawhi Leonard who appears bland, but in the clubhouse, he's actually one of the funniest guys. You know what I actually feel really funny? This is the last thing I'll say. I feel Harrison Bader's hilarious. Yeah, he's got good style. Yeah, he 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 pulled up. We were looking at some of those spring training fits, and I was like, some of these guys pulling up was actually, oh boy, tunnel fits. Yeah, I like Harrison Bader. He's got he's got a swagger about him. He's got a he's got a just a natural confidence about him. I think he'll be welcome this year and yeah. with a full season with the Yankees. I, I, dude, he was like our best hitter in the playoffs last year. Hey, Yankee player development, man. I, I guess that's more Cardinals player development. But anyway, that second biggest story that happened over the – these are kind of tied for first, the Burns thing and what we're about to talk about. But Machado, I have to talk about it. You know, announced last week that 
he will opt out of his current contract following this season. He has a player option after this season for $30 million. That will guarantee him $30 million per year for the next five years of his contract. He said he's going to opt out. We've been on this earlier. I think we called this out in like a December podcast saying, hey, don't look now, but Machado's got an opt-out on that contract after next season. Yeah, we did, and that's why we, we we saw that the Padres were kind of going all in. So, I mean, he uh, he could opt out this year of uh, and leave $150 million off the table, and I, if I'm him, I'm opting out. If I have a year like I did last year, because people forget, like, what really derailed him was that ankle injury. If he didn't sprain his ankle mm-hmm. in, like, mid-May, early May, he could have just ran away with NL MVP. Like he was like hitting like 353 and just absolutely just smoking the ball. And then he gets hurt. And I mean, he still played well, but he wasn't like playing like super Jesus level at the start. And and you know, how old is he? He's not that old either. He's very he's still in a good age. He's gonna so, be 30. He's gonna be he turns 31 in July. So I mean, that's not a bad age to end. Like enter free agency again, so yeah. And he he said this week, after his comments in that clubhouse interview, he, he said he wants to play into his forties, and I think that's important to note because Bob Nightingale reported last week that the Padres and Machado were one hundred forty five million dollars apart in their contract extension talks, and then Nightingale also reported that Machado was seeking four hundred million dollars over ten years if you were to get a new contract. Or if you were to tack onto the current contract that he's on, he would have wanted an extra $250 million on top of his current deal. I don't know if he's going to get $400 million. I think that's pretty ambitious. That would have been the biggest contract in the big leagues. It would have been more than Aaron Judge got. I think it's that's like Mike Trout-esque money. I don't think he's worth that much. I think he will eventually you know, realize that if, if he were to go into free agency. Well, the thing is... But, sorry. Well, but, but the thing is, here's my thing. The whole market reset's gonna come with Otani this summer, this 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 winter. So it's like if Otani's getting four fifty, which he could easily get four fifty, yeah. like there's no question. Like, I think Otani's gonna be the first fifty million dollar player, probably. And so if Otani gets fifty mil a year, and Otani's only how old? Otani is twenty eight. So Otani's deal is going to be a bunch of opt-outs. I can already see Shohei having like three bajillion opt-outs to re-enter the market, but like entering at 50, definitely. Yeah. It's kind of like he wants 10 over 400, which if you do the math, 10 over 400, that's 40 mil a year. I think that's actually in the ballpark. That Okay. So I have the list of the top paid third baseman right now. The highest paid third baseman is making $35 million a year. Can you guess? Let, me guess. Let me guess. It's uh, it's not Arenado because I kind of was like, he left so much money on the table. I know it's not Bregman. I know Rafi's at like 28 or like 33. He's at 31.5. Yeah, that's what it was. So, and and Alex, Austin Riley get, took a whole lot less money. 21.2. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, is he in the AL or NL? He's in the American League. The American, and it's not Jose Ramirez either. No, Jose Ramirez is at 20 mil. He got a team-friendly deal. He, he took a team-friendly. Uh, oh, it's easy. It's Anthony yeah. Rendon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. 
Yeah, Anthony Rendon's at 35. You got Arenado at 32-5, and then you got Devers at 31-3. And then you have Machado, who's at 30. So I think if you're Machado, he's probably thinking, I'm better than all these guys. I'm the best third baseman in the bigs. I want to be the highest paid third baseman in the league. And when you look at it that way, 40 million doesn't seem as crazy as the 400 million does. That's what I'm saying. If we're looking at average per year basis, the 40 million is actually in the ballpark range. Because if if Rendon's getting 35, and we can be both honest with each other, if Arenado opted out of the Cardinals contract, which he should have, in our opinion. Yeah, absolutely should have. He would have he would have gotten, I don't know if he would have gotten the 40, but he would have gotten like 38, 39. Yeah. He would, I mean, yeah, he would have been in that ballpark for sure. He would have, he would have been in the ballpark. It's just it's just like we've seen it and we've talked about this is the positional value. And I keep harping on this. It's the positional value of baseball. Like how do teams value the third base position? And we've seen with Devers and Riley and Jose Ramirez. Yes, they took team friendly deals, but they're not willing to pay the top dollar as you're willing to pay for an Aaron Judge. Who Aaron Judge came out at 360 over eight, right? Yeah. So 360 over eight. Aaron Judge is getting 45. So yeah, there's there's actually like $10 million difference from top paid position. Aaron and- Judge is at 40. Um he he took 360 over nine. Sorry, it was a nine-year deal. Okay, so nine. So 40. He wants to get paid judge money. And I think it's a debate we can have who's the best third baseman in the league. Because I think the best, my top three are probably Arenado, Machado. Jose, with Devers and Riley behind. I mean, you know who my guy is. Who, Riley? No, nah, I don't think he's the best third baseman in the league, but he he's always been my guy, obviously. Yeah. I, if I had to pick, I would probably say Arenado's the best third baseman in the league. I love Jose Ramirez. I love the fact that he's a switch hitter. I love Jose, and he runs the base pass well. He does a little bit of everything. Yeah, he's like man. a top playing third. He really is, and I mean, he's he's been on – a lot of good teams. You know, people forget he was he was what six outs away from being a World Series champion in Cleveland six years ago. So the problem yeah, is the problem is he plays in Cleveland. Yeah. If he would have played in LA, he would have been top five, top in MLB ballots yearly. And you know, the, the funniest part about this fifth highest paid third baseman in the league. Uh give me a give me a hint. American League. Oh, it's Bregman at 28, right? No. I hate this. Oh, oh, Rick Donaldson. Yeah. Josh freaking Donaldson at $23 million a year. Yeah. I I mean, look, the wrap up, wrap up the whole Machado thing. It's like, okay, if you opt out, great. You're going to get a team to bite on you because of the player. Now, the thing is, who has that money next year? Who has, what teams are going to have the money? Because let's not think, let's not forget about this. Machado has burned bridges. He burned the Dodgers bridge, so he can't go get the Dodgers money, and that's one of the bigger market teams. The Red Sox aren't paying anybody, and they have Devers. Um, none of the Florida teams are willing to actually pay. They're more worried about freaking building uh, freaking air conditioning stadiums out here. And I have a hard time believing the Yankees would pay that salary for Machado. They, the Yankees have had beef with him in the past, and we also just paid Aaron Judge. So It's like, where does he go? It's like the Angels – the but Mets I mean, aren't going to get. I mean, the Mets could, but, but I'm surprised. It's you know, it's like the Mets. Why would they pay forty? If you're paying forty to Machado, that means something systematically went wrong this year. Like that means something went really wrong this year. 
in that team. Right. It's just like, what big market team can actually pay him the money? There's not and really the, anybody. The Mets also have Brett Beatty this year, top prospect for them. Yeah. Or second and, and it's just like, and you'd rather you'd rather have Beatty if you can get you know get you 25, 30 home runs a year and, and pay him, you know, six figures or like low million dollar salary versus forty million dollars a year for Machado. Hey, unless he's trying to go to San Francisco and take the panic money from San Francisco, because I took I can totally see everybody who doesn't get Shohei, the teams that don't get Shohei, yeah, hopping on to him. But the thing is, let's look at Shohei's market. Shohei's market's probably all the California teams except the Padres. So it's going to be San Francisco, LA, and the Angels. Uh, I sneak, I sneakily see the Mariners involved because I just think that'd be a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mariners. Um, that's like my wet dream. Pause. Um, seeing Shohei, Shohei, and the Mariners. It has to happen. Like if that happens, like I might just get get, get tattooed with the Mariners M on my foot. <laughs> um, um, the Cubs, but I think the Cubs are all you know talk. And then the Mets could pay Shohei, but it's just like you, like we just said, they have a top prospect. So you're only really down. The teams that Machado could go to would be the Mariners, but I don't think they, have, they would pay the money. It's pretty much the Giants. SF, yeah. I mean, it's a tough. It's tough. He and the Padres have an insane luxury tax right now that they and they have to worry about paying Soto as well. So they they have. They're they have so much money tied up right now, and, and it's even more to come in the future. I think he also could just maybe end up opting in. This could be just like a bluff. We'll see on that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. That that'd be a poor business decision. The way he's playing, I think you've got to maximize your value, and you he's he'd be leaving money on the table. And that does have. He has a security blanket of you know if he gets hurt this year or if. You know he has a uh, an extremely down year. He can just say just opt in. So, but here's my other argument, and we can think about this. What if the Padres just end up being a total disaster this year? It could happen. What if they're just a disaster? And like, I mean, we haven't really thought about what what could if the Padres end up being a disaster this year. Like, he could end up somewhere because I think at that point, if you know he's going to opt out, you trade him, and you're five hundred. Right. Like, what if they just end up being a total disaster this year? With so many new pieces, because yeah. you got Tatis, Bogarts, Soto, a full season. So yeah, there's no way Soto is going to be as bad as as air quotes bad as he was last year. We'll, we'll just see, but I mean, I would opt out. But the thing is, where do you go? If you look at the other third baseman free agents for next offseason, it's it's really weak. It's Machado and Matt Chapman, basically. But it's just like, where would you go? Who would you rather have right now? Like, would you rather have Machado on $40 million a year or Chapman on like 20? I'd rather have Machado. I think that was probably a stupid question. Because because Machado is just that. Machado is like, I hate how we throw the word generational talent, but Machado is like, one of those rare talents that you don't see walking up. Like there's there he's not like he's you know, I don't want to say he's irreplaceable, irreplaceable because everybody's replaceable. But I mean he's just one of those guys that's like damn good. And when he's on, like he's on. He's a top five player in baseball when he's on. Is he <laughs> Hall of Famer for you? 
I mean, we just have to see what happens. Yeah. Hey, or maybe he goes back to Baltimore. I mean, what if Baltimore just backs up the truck and just reunion wise, you know, they want to start paying people. That'd be crazy. That'd be fun because that would just make the whole ALEs fun. Think about it. Think about it like this. Baltimore just goes all in, trades for Corbin, and signs Machado. Oh, my Lord. That's a juggernaut all of a sudden. That team just instantly becomes great. But they're not going to spend that on, on that kind of contract. It's just, like, it's just like some teams I just don't see spending. I don't see Toronto spending money because I think Toronto could spend, but I don't think it's feasible for them to spend that amount of money. Toronto needs to worry about locking locking down their young guys right now. Toronto needs to worry about winning baseball games right now. Yeah. They need to figure out how to how to win the ALEs and how to win a freaking playoff series. They have to figure that out first instead of doing these antics out on the field and, you know, going for the big fish. And we've seen it in their offseason. They actually are worrying about covering their smaller bases. Yeah, they're kind of, yeah from the moves they've made, for sure. They're, they're more worried about building a full team. So, Next story from the past week or so of baseball, Clayton Kershaw officially opting out or is out of the WBC. He was unable to insur- uh, obtain insurance for the tournament. Basically, the Dodgers have an insurance requirement for their players to play in the WBC, um, and that insurance you know, protects teams in the event of a, uh, of a player suffering an injury while playing in this tournament. You know, if an injury occurs during the WBC, insurance reimburses the team for the time the player misses during the regular season. Um, Kershaw was unable to attain that insurance, and he's out of the WBC. He will be replaced by Padre reliever Nick Martinez on the Team USA roster. Um, It's a big loss for the United States because I think when we were going through our preview, their biggest weakness was starting pitching. Kershaw was one of the best starting pitchers on their roster. And all of a sudden that rotation is looking a little thin with Cortez and Kershaw, both out of the tournament in, in a, in a week timeframe. Yeah. And I think the biggest loss for this team is the experience. Like mm. as much as we give crap about how Kershaw is a serial choker in big moments, like not anymore, not, not anymore. And, and I hate how we just call him a serial choker because in reality, the reason why he's fallen short in many of the moments is like he's pushed himself a little bit too much. It's like when you're out at the bar with the boys and you're five shots in and you're already feeling it and the boys are like, hey, let's go. You're like, let's go one more. Let's go one more. But your boys are like, nah, nah, nah. And you still do it and you just ruin the whole night. I think we've all been there at some point, you know? Absolutely. like both personally, it's kind of like that's his whole deal. And I feel like with Kershaw, it's just like he's pushed himself in many moments. Like, for example, I will always remember the I think it was the DS or the C the DS series versus the Cardinals, where he came out uh for the sixth inning and he just got pinated. Wasn't that where versus the Nats? I think but it, it's happened so yeah. often with him it's happened multiple like, times multiple times that it's just like i mean but like i said their pitching's already weak for team usa but i just think that locker room presence is an older veteran guy in that rotation because now what are they relying on in in like starting pitching wise you don't have nestor a lot of the big big guns like dylan cease didn't get allowed to didn't isn't pitching so, so yeah if you look at their rotation right now it's like Lance Lynn, Adam Wainwright, you have Merrill Kelly, 
Miles Nicholas. It's still uh, super young. Like Brady Singer. Like it's 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 a thin rotation. And you compare it to like a Dominican Republic or even a Mexico, you know, even Puerto Rico that we talked about. Like it's a bit thin. It's a bit or or even a Japan. I think I think Team USA might need to go get Benedict Arnold back. Strong would have it's looking solidified a start in this a spot in the starting rotation. Who? Strowman. Benedict Arnold. 100%. Yeah, Benedict Arnold would definitely, but it's just like you lose that veteran presence, and it's just like now it's kind of like you're putting more weight on Wainwright's shoulders. Because I feel like if you're down to like one of those Elim games, those round of six, uh, those quarterfinal semis games, you want the you want that wild veteran out there pitching. But now it's kind of like it's just him, and I don't think you can use him twice. So I mean, you're probably gonna are gonna have to use in the quarters. You're probably gonna have to use Wainwright in case for the finals. Yeah, and so, like, I mean, that's cool, but relying on a forty, how old is Adam Wainwright? Forty three. Like, I can't believe this guy's still pitching. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna knock that man on his age because every year I look at the Cardinals rotation, I'm like, oh, Wainwright's old, and the dude comes out, and I see him pitch. On Bally Sports Network, RIP Bally Sports Network. If you haven't heard, uh, they're, they're about to file for bankruptcy. Um, RIP. Yeah. So um, short lived, yeah. very short lived. But yeah, it, it's he's a professional pitcher. He he knows how to pitch the games. Yeah, he's forty one. He's forty one. Yeah, he knows he uh, Mr. Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwich before games. Like, hey, just he's a good pitcher. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, but he is he is older and. You know, in a, in a very quick tournament, you're asking a lot for him to to be your number one guy. You'll probably get him three starts, but now it's, he's going to have to do three instead of two. We could see bullpen games for Team USA. I mean, that's how baseball's going now, man. Yeah, unfortunately. So. Other opt-outs or another opt-out of notice is Nick Pavetta opting could out. He- from Team, Team Canada. Team Canada, yeah. That's another big loss. We're gonna, again, another starting pitcher. We're going to see some bullpen games coming out for Team Canada probably now. Yeah, that's a huge loss for Canada just because he was one of their only MLB pitchers. And mm-hmm. he's he's now not there. So they're going to be relying on a lot of guys that have never even played in the big leagues. And I think Team Canada was maybe a bit of a sleeper team heading into this tournament. And Nick Pavetta is not a great pitcher you know, by any means, mm-hmm. but he has big league experience, which, you know, compared seeing some of these teams in this tournament, like that can go a long way, but, you know, losing him, I think that's a tough loss for Canada. Still expect them to be a fun team to watch and whatnot, but uh, they, they needed his, his big league experience in this tournament for sure. Definitely do agree with that. Frankie Matas officially underwent shoulder surgery yesterday, February 24th. 21st they're saying the best case scenario is uh, is a late season return for Montas he had a 6.35 ERA and eight starts for the Yankees last year that would be 39.2 innings pitched and I mean we've talked about this a lot so we don't and we know he was injured but now it's you know before it was like it was going to be a month the first month of the season now it's probably looking like he's going to be out for the entire season which basically makes that battle for the fifth 
spot in that rotation again between Clark Schmidt and Domingo Herman. Now it's important to note Herman is out of minor league options. So it's quite likely that he's going to be that guy to start the season as the fifth starter remains to be seen what happens in spring training. Um, but no, Clark Schmidt's only started five games over the last three seasons in the big league. So it's a tough spot for the Yankees. The rotation's already thin. And then when you look at it, you know, you have Severino, who a guy that's always injured. And you also have um, Carlos Rodon, again, another guy that struggles with injury. Like all of a sudden, if one of those guys goes down, what kind of screw? Like that's a very, very thin rotation. And like outside of Schmidt and Herman, we don't really have anybody else that can fill that fifth slot. Even Boone came out and said that this week. You know, we have Johnny Brito, Matt Crook, Randy Vasquez. Like those are three guys you've probably never heard of. They're they're minor leaguers. So this Yankees rotation with this Montas injury was a guy that I think was I was relying on to to be good this year for us. Um, it's a thin rotation. It, it, it can and it can get even thinner um, if one of those guys that has have histories of injuries gets hurt again. So not good news. Like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees make a small move. Just pick up some insurance, a little, a little wildly veteran like a Zach Davies or like one of those guys. Just reclamation project, maybe even a Shelby Miller. I think Shelby Miller signed a the other day. He signed a minor league contract somewhere. I think he signed with the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. he did. He did. So yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, um, I'm a big Clark Schmidt guy. I, I I enjoy watching him pitch. Good fastball. Good curve. I like him more than Herman, even though Herman has pitched better on occasion. It's, it'll be interesting how that you guys manage the rotation. That's 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 just going to be the biggest key. How do you guys manage that rotation throughout the season? Do you go got out and get another guy, or do you try to develop or try to push one of the guys in AAA, AA up and trying to eat some innings? Mm-hmm. I think so we'll you- start. I think we'll start the season with Herman, and if he stinks, he'll get DFA'd. Give Schmidt a chance, and if he, <laughs> he will. If he's if if Schmidt stinks, then we'll start looking for other options. It's just like I like Schmidt, but at the same time, I do enjoy. It's like we fall into the question. It's like Schmidt has always been for the Yankees a reliever, that long reliever. You're yep. going to force somebody out of their role. And Herman, yes, he's been a starting pitcher, but the only time he was relevant and really freaking good, uh, he got accused of domestic violence. So there you have it. It's And since then, he hasn't been the same guy. So then you're asking a lot from somebody, and you don't want to get into bullpen games at the start of April. You don't want to do that. Bullpen games in the dog days of June, end of May, that's pushing it, but... We're already having issues early. Yeah, bullpen days tax your bullpen. The red flags are there. The good news is, I wouldn't be surprised. Who said he's fully healthy heading into the season? Like you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys call somebody that you know. Like call up the Reds and go get Luis Sessa. You always do that. You guys always do that. You always like go get guys that you know, Mike Talkman. Uh, Mike Talkman, holy cow, that's a throwback. Uh, Tyler Wade, you guys traded for Tyler Wade mid season from the Angels when he was like platooning for them, right? He was awful, and you guys gave the Angels a gift. Oh, we'll take him, you know. 
Yeah, Wade's back with the um, – he is with the A's now. Not surprised. They need major league players. Yeah. <laughs> he's borderline. He's he's like a high level AAA player, low level MLB player. Perfect for the for, perfect for the A's. The A's are just trying to feel their borderline MLB acceptable team. So the whole the whole thing about it is it's just like spring training has to start, and we have to see how the guys pitch. And so I feel like you guys have you guys need to make one small move to get like a pitcher that can just eat innings. Like five to six innings. We're not yeah. saying that you got to be come out here and give us seven complete games, no hits. You just got to eat innings at this point. A's versus Team Czech Republic. Who you got? A's versus Czech Republic. I still take the A's, man. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's like I, that's that's like saying, oh, would Alabama beat the Bears? Right. A's A's versus LSU. I would still take the A's. Yeah, I would take the A's, but. It, like I said, it's like putting a you, – you can't do that. It's professionals versus collegiate guys. Collegiate guys are trying to figure out – well, not not anymore, but they used to be figuring out where they're going to eat next. Right. You know, they're, they're figuring out, you know, crap. These guys well, – shit. Minor leaguers kind of are too. Yeah, but, I mean, NLI in college baseball. So we haven't really talked about much, but that's that's a whole combo for another story. Another another small story that I saw coming across the ticker. Top Guardians pitching prospect Daniel Espino sidelined for two months with a shoulder sprain. That sucks because he was projected to make his big league debut this year. He's the number 16 overall prospect on MLB.com. More to come on prospects later in a future podcast. Guardians also lost their top pick last year, number seven overall, Chase DeLauder, for four to five months with a broken foot. So he's going to – both of those guys – are going to miss out on some development this season. I think that's tough news for the Guardians, especially considering the fact that they're such a young team and they have so much young talent already on their big league roster. Espino was absolutely going to make his MLB debut this year. He might have made the big league roster out of spring training and you lose him. I mean, it's only two months, but he's going to, he might end up spending most of this season now in the minor leagues. So that that's kind of a tough loss for the Guardians. Yeah, tough loss. But, I mean, if there's a team that can build farm systems and that can really do well with those type of things, it's the Guardians. Like, they're historically a very good team in um, promoting big uh, minor league talent and developing minor league talent well. So I'm not very worried. If there's a system that can handle it, it's that system. Unfortunate, but, you know, it's all good. All good. We can run through some other transactions that have happened over the past week since our last podcast. I think the the biggest one I would argue is probably Michael Walker to San Diego. One year, four million, but he has player options in 2024, 25, and 26. So it's basically four years, $26 million. I think this move makes a lot of sense for both sides. You know, Waka can come in, he got good money for um you know what he is as a pitcher. He had a three four six ERA last year in twenty three starts in Boston. Pretty, I think he's like a really good back end of the rotation starter. And I think San Diego needed some rotation depth. He was the best arm left on the on on the market by far. And it was kind of surprising that it took him so long to sign. But I, I think this move makes sense for San Diego and Waka. And San Diego, San Diego keeps spending money, man. I wouldn't be surprised that Waka had more money and he left more money on the table. 
I just think he was just looking more for the for the perfect opportunity and the perfect location. And I mean, him fitting in as a back end role is perfect for them at four million dollars with options. Like he could easily, you know, be crap and then opt in again. Or he can either light the world on fire. And, you know, we Waka coming up for the Cardinals was incredible. It was Waka Flock of Flame. Yeah, he was. He was he was he was he was yeah. damn. So I mean, I like the move. I think this is a great move. And honestly, he leaves the Boston. And I know AL East is a tough division to, to pitch in. San Diego, yes, there's expectations, but you don't have that spotlight on them. So I think this is a great move. And, you know, like I said, you can cash in. He would have been a perfect fit for the Yankees, knowing this. But, like – Knowing the the now Montas news, yeah, that would have been the perfect guy to fill in for that fifth slot. A lot, of teams, a lot of teams could have used them, man. Like, the White Sox could have used them because, I mean, the White Sox are tro- still trying to go all in because they just signed Elvis Andrews back for a one-year $3 million deal. Yeah. And I- Andrews is a quality MLB player. Quality, quality, quality. You know. I mean, he's fine. He's quality. He'll hit, he'll, he'll hit 250 with 15 home runs. 70, 270. Get you about 15 stolen bases, 15 homers, 50, 60 RBIs. They're just just simple quality. He's you know, not a top 15 starting sword stop, but at the, not a bottom tier. He's, he's a reliable big league player. I think yeah, that's exactly. that's fair. That's fair. And it's just like Going back to the Walker point, he would have fit perfectly. But I mean, it's I think the San Diego is a perfect situation. You can win a one, you can A, you can win a ring. Two, if you pitch out of your mind, you can go hop in the pool next year and get way more money next year. And plus, you know, postseason players, there's always that one postseason darling that right. goes crazy for like a whole month and his price just goes up. And then you're just like, why did his price just go up ridiculously? Jorge Soler. Yeah, Jorge Soler got paid. Jorge Soler and Duvall, Eddie, all those Braves outfielders. Yeah, all the Braves. <laughs> they're, they're fucking criminals right now, man. They're taking money away from, from the Marlins and the Braves. And, well, Duvall's now in Boston, but, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we touched but on – for past performance. Yeah. We talked about Andrews. We talked about Waka. Uh, we'll touch on the next couple quickly. Andrew Chafin. Nasty mustache. Yeah, nasty mustache from Detroit last year. Signed a one-year, $6.25 million deal for Arizona. I really like the deal for Arizona. I love that deal for Arizona. Because if the season goes haywire, you could easily just cash him in for pick – not for picks, but for prospects. Um, He had a 2.83 ERA in 64 games last year for Detroit. Had a 1.53 in 28 games for Oakland in 2021. 183 total. He was on Chicago and Oakland that year. Um, really good lefty reliever to throw into that bullpen. And they also have Joe Mantiply. So all of a sudden, the the the, the I think the Astros are going to be everyone's sleeper team this year. And we'll get into our division previews in a later podcast. Astros. I think the Diamondbacks are going to be everyone's sleeper. Sorry, did I say Astros? I meant Diamondbacks. Um, and I don't know if they're necessarily going to live up to that hype. They're they're still very young, but they're they're making some sneaky moves. And they have a really good farm system, so they're they'll be a fun league pass team or MLB TV team, whatever to watch next year. I was definitely thinking about that the other day. Like I was watching um Corbin Carroll, and I was like, I might be staying up for some Diamondbacks games this year. Like mm-hmm. they might be my my extra innings team, my West Coast extra innings team. Other than the Dodgers, I may be watching them. 
Corbin Carroll, man. Got some wheels on him. That whole team's got wheels, man. Gabriel Moreno. I like Josh Rojas a lot. Yeah. They got Ketel Marte. They got Christian Walker, who just gets nuclear bombs out to right and left. Like, they're they're a fun little team, you know? Absolutely. So That's um, what happens when you get the top pick year after year after year. Yeah. We got then Matt Moore, a one-year, $7.5 million deal. I mean, a lot of money. I mean, starting pitching going to have to pay, and I mean they do need rotation help still. They're probably looking at a rotation of Shohei, Patrick Sandoval, Jaime Berea, Matt Moore, and who else? I mean, Matt Moore had a one nine five in sixty three games last year. He's a reliever, but he can be like an opener as well. Yeah, he can be an opener. I remember him coming up from Tampa. He was crazy with the Rays. Yeah, he was an all star in two thousand thirteen. He was crazy on the Rays. That yeah. man, yeah. he was he was pretty good. Uh, Yu Chang signed a one year, uh, 850k deal. Not much to say. Boston just filling out MLB roster. That's more. That's more story insurance. Yeah, more story insurance. Um, Brewers again signing uh, MLBers, just like I want to say quality, but just average MLBers and Luke Voigt and Taylor Naquin to minor league. Invites for spring training. Luke Voigt, the 2020 home run king. What a fall from grace. Well, uh, Rangers got Robbie Grossman. Um, Robbie Grossman was a uh, was played last year in Detroit and uh, Atlanta. Didn't work out in Atlanta. He was supposed to be that left field guy that could fix everything after uh, Mr. Amozuna from the Braves got caught up with, uh, with 12. Yeah, ask any Tigers fan about Robbie Grossman. They that guy, they hate him. Yeah, he he was he, he bit defensively just in, on the plate. He's a struggle bus. The whole um, the Tigers were one of the worst offensive teams in history last year. Yeah, uh, Donovan Solano signed with the Twins. I like this move for the Twins, and let's give it a round of applause for Joe's team. Twins are trying to be relevant. You can't, you're giving us work this offseason, man. Shout out to Minnesota keeping us. Uh, Entertain this whole offseason. Has Toronto has Minnesota made more offseason moves this year than the past five years for them combined? Because I feel like that has to be probably has to be some stat out there like that. Probably more relevant moves. Yeah. They got they got Gallo, Gallo Buxton in the back with uh Correa, Christian Vasquez. I mean Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez, yeah. I mean, they got a quality team. And Solano, man, Solano is quality. He hit 284 last year with four bombs in Cincy. 304 plate appearances. For Cincy. Yeah. I was surprised nobody picked him up at the deadline as a utility bat because he plays pretty much all over the infield. He was, he was on those Giants team, that 100 and what was it, 107 Giants team? Uh, he was on, yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he was pretty good for that team. So, yeah, I mean, again, keeping us entertained this offseason, man. I mean, bro, he won the Silver Slugger in 2020 for second baseman. I know that COVID shortened, but still. That's a COVID year. I mean. He hit 326 that year. I know. He was great. He was on my fantasy team. Yeah. He was on my fantasy team that year, and then he was on Armand's last year. Not that last he was in 21, he was on Armand because I had him one year. And dude was played second, first, and third on my team. He played everywhere. Yeah. Yep. 
So really good signing. So now finally the wrap up this week, uh, we're going to talk about some college baseball. I mean, we hinted at it at the start. This is a baseball podcast. We will be talking about all forms of baseball, except little league baseball. <laughs> we will not be investigating eight year olds and 10 year olds about their lives. So, uh, I mean, William, you're very invested more than I am. I'm trying to get into it this year. Uh, I'm trying to go out to some hurricane games and see what's up. But I kept track this weekend on Twitter. It was opening weekend. I know my university, Xavier, went out and played at Oregon this week. Probably got their shit kicked in. Um, Let's let's look that up. Let's look that up. As as William says best, uh, Xavier spends more money on baseball travel than on their own whole basketball program. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, my Lord. Xavier's off to a hot start. 0-5. They got swept in four games against Oregon, three to two, nine to two, five to three, three to one. Then they went out to Louisville uh, today and lost twelve to eight. So yeah, your your Musketeers are off to a hot start, just like the basketball team, kind of struggling right now. Yeah, we don't got to get into that. Um, but yeah, but, but yeah, there's Xavier notoriously, and we've talked about this off air. Um, notoriously schedules one of the most ridiculous schedules. In all of college baseball. It's actually comical. They do this every single year. So they already went out to Oregon. They went out to Louisville. They play Michigan, who's a solid program. They play West Virginia. They play Ohio State. Like they're in the Big East. They play Kentucky this year. Well, always they've always played Kentucky. They they have like and I and I know this because I've seen the Kentucky players come in and out when I used when I was there. They would uh they have like a one off game. They switch every year. So they they bust the game. And always during spring break, they always schedule during that whole week of spring break. They uh they go somewhere out west or somewhere like I don't want to say tropical, but somewhere with warm weather and they play teams. So this year they're gonna go play UCSB on Santa Barbara. They go play Cal Poly and then they go play St. Mary's. So they, they're doing a whole California Cal Poly is good. Cal Poly is really good. And they had, St- uh, Brooks Lee last year. Shout out Cal Poly. I actually been out there. It's a very beautiful campus, very beautiful place in the world. Highly recommend if anybody has a significant other, trying to get old, just, just go out the uh, just go out the slow, man. So, yeah. Last year you guys opened up with Alabama, Louisville, Oregon State, went Owen Owen 10 to start the season. No, Owen, sorry, Owen 7. My senior year, I think they opened up with AM. Yeah, they did open up with AM. And they actually won two out of three versus AM until AM got their shit together that Sunday and beat them 15 zip. <laughs> Xavier played at Tennessee last year, lost 10 to 1. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, I mean, of teams that matter in, in college baseball, LSU, absolute juggernaut this year. They went 3 0. They, they swept Western Michigan. They have Dylan Cruz, projected number one overall pick right now. Um, dude is. Dude's legit. Uh, obviously, Western Michigan is not really that tough of competition. I believe they won today as well. They also have Paul Skeens, right-handed pitcher, projected top, uh, projected first-round guy. So, if you're watching college baseball this year, LSU is certainly the team to watch. They're one of the one of the best college baseball teams in you know recent seasons. We had Tennessee team that. That's a big talking point. Tennessee. I saw Tennessee say my Twitter was filled with Tennessee fans going off. Like, what's going on with their team, man? Yeah, Tennessee fan or Tennessee, you know, a team that, especially within baseball, everyone can uh agree that they they fun team to hate, very unlikable. They're led by Chase Dollander, right-handed pitcher, projected top 
top two, three pick. They went one and two this week. They lost to Arizona in Grand Canyon out in uh, out in Arizona, and then they beat UCSD uh, San Diego, and then today they uh, or yesterday and today they beat Alabama A and M by a combined score of thirty three to one. Now Alabama Alabama and M stinks, so that's not really much of a measuring stick for them. They got uh, Tennessee also has Chase Burns, who's projected as the number two in the top one fifty for next year's twenty twenty four MLB draft. Yeah, and they're they got, loaded, but Drew Beam, two pitchers, they're they're just as loaded as LSU. I think we can agree that LSU and Tennessee are on a collision course for the SEC title. You ha- you also have Ole Miss. Ole Miss is really good. They have the best shortstop in this year's draft, Jacob Gonzalez, projected to be top five pick as well. So Ole Miss started the three started the th- season out three 0 They won the national title last year. Like SEC baseball is just a different level. They have Texas A and M, who's number five in the country right now. They actually lost today to Lamar, or I think that was yesterday or today. Big upset there. But you also have Florida, who's in the top ten. They have a lot of uh, top first round guys. Arkansas, who has a lot of transfers this year. Vanderbilt, who has is tenth right now. They have Enrique Bradfield. Very, oh, very interesting I prospect like, there. I like Enrique. I like I've seen him on YouTube. I really do like him, but he's got a crazy amount of speed. Also worry about his pop pop and bat. But I forgot to mention Arkansas has uniform game on lock. And the whole SEC, they probably have the most like best u- uniform game in the whole SEC. Best uniforms in college baseball, though, in my opinion, it are North Carolinas. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. The Arkansas with the A is beautiful. It's like yeah. it's like it's not like white, but it's not gray. It's kind of like a beige, creamish yeah. kind of deal. And also, you can't go wrong with Ole Miss's blues. The Ole Miss powder blue uniforms, you know, those are beautiful. Those are clean too. Your local Miami Hurricanes are two and one. They're twenty second in the country right now. They, if we look up their schedule from last weekend, they. One, they had a three-game set against Penn State. They lost the first one and then won this the the two after that. So they beat they Stenson that. yesterday. They play Indiana State today at six. Your time. Yeah, well, that's probably on right now. They play Dartmouth this weekend, and then Ooh. they play they play Florida next week. That's probably going to be the game. Uh, that's probably game of the week in college baseball. Game of the yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a really good series. That's up in Gainesville, though. Unfortunately for you. Big game Wednesday, March fifteenth. They play at FIU. Oh boy, hey, that's hey you're, you're hey you'll be in that day late. Though. Yeah, that night. You know FIU and Miami are banned from playing each other in football because they oh, got in a, yeah. What? I know because they got banned from yeah. Like, they got in an all out brawl on the field back in the day. Hey man, South Florida man has some like really weird ass rivalries. Not gonna lie, like FIU's biggest rival is FAU. Well, that makes sense. It doesn't because, like, they're separated. Like, a rivalry has to be – like, there has to be some type of, like, thing. Like, Michigan-Ohio State, it's because it's a border rival. FAU is up in Boca Raton. It's like an hour from from FIU. Small, similar size schools. Yeah, but, you know, different demographics of people, I'm not going to lie, just saying. That's fair. Yeah, but um, you got anything to add to college baseball? Guys, we should be watching teams. We should definitely put on, like, who's who's your league pass team? Tennessee? You're going to be watching Tennessee? Nah, just watch the SEC. when Once SEC play starts, if we're being honest, that, I think that'll be where I'll lock in. And 
watch these top prospects. I think LSU is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, I can't stand Tennessee, to be honest. Their coach gives me weird vibes. So not a huge Tennessee guy, but they are loaded. So if you're yeah. into that, go ahead and watch them. Ole Miss. I mean, uh, you can't get better. It's it's down south baseball, you know. It is it is different for sure. But you you got anything to add? I mean, we we wrapped up this pod pretty quick today. I mean, we we touched on the subjects today. Not much. An hour and a half top podcast. It was a good one. Oh yeah, not much. But you know, we got we got a lot of things coming up in the next couple of weeks. I mean, March is next week. If you if you turn the calendar, we're turning the calendar next week. Baseball Classic starts the eighth week after. We will be in attendance for one of the quarterfinal games down in Miami. Um, we will try to attend more than one game. We will try to see if we can go to a spring training game. We will also try to see if we can go to a University of Miami baseball game. The Hurricanes, they are in town that weekend. So there will be a lot of a lot of good things coming up on the Instagram page, definitely. A lot of good things uh, coming up in the pod. We're definitely going to start doing our divisional previews. As spring training goes along, like – for you listeners, like I understand you're getting that itch, that baseball itch. You want to grab your mitt, throw the ball. You want to go take BP in the cage. I know Williams doing BP in the cage right now. Um, getting ready for men's league, but um, we're, we we want to wait until spring training kind of kicks up a little bit and we start seeing some some traction, seeing what's going on, because we don't want to start a divisional preview right now without knowing. Because there's a lot of, like, for the Yankees, we don't know who the third baseman's going to be or the shortstop. Um, a lot of teams have a lot of question marks. Dodgers have a lot of question marks. We, we want to see what, you know, happens. What develops in spring training. And also injuries can can happen. That, there's, there's always a fair share of injuries. In already, already going on right now. The Yankees already got two injuries in the, in, in the starting rotation. So, yeah. so we'll, we'll, we'll have that coming. And, I mean, opening day is only less than 40 days away. If yeah. you look at just so, over a month away, you know, exciting times. I think our next podcast will probably be pr- uh, prospects related. hundred percent. Yeah. So um, that'll be what to look out for on our radar. Um, we'll talk about some shit teams. Probably the, the, the most exciting times is the red sand talking about yeah, some, prospects, yeah. we're talking about some terrible teams that shouldn't get, you know, It'll be it'll be fun, man. Uh, I'm enjoying. I'm ready for WBC play to kick up. Um, get some spring training in. I mean, first game of the year is Atlanta goes and plays the Nationals on Thursday, March 30th. So we are less than a month uh, a month and a week away. Yep, we're right here coming down uh, the home stretch heading into the season. Spring training's ramping up. It's great to see uh, that going on. Games start on Friday for spring training. So um, we're all very excited here at the corner. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the critics corner pod for more critics corner content and reach out to us. Let us know how we're doing. Give us a five-star review. Uh, drop us a review as well. Uh, we appreciate all of you for listening. Uh, Luis, you got anything to say? Final words yeah, before we get um, out. Just, um, just keep tab to the Instagram page. I mean, exciting times for the pod coming up. And also, um, Oh, check the website out. Williams dropping articles weekly, sort of weekly, bi-weekly things about topics that well, William likes talking about shit that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. He, he, he's really good at picking up things that major media and, you know, there's a hole in baseball because ESPN only wants to talk about LeBron and Tom Brady 
and not everybody could watch MLB Network for the whole day. So, and I can't watch it anymore because YouTube TV dropped it. So yeah, that's TV, man. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get these Chinese streams back up. Pause. I love watching MLB Network. Oh, MLB Central, MLB Tonight. In the summer, I could watch it all night, and I really hope YouTube TV gets it back. Or I might, I might be switching over to Fubu, man. Fubo. The Fubu. Uh, hey, taking down some Fubu. I might go to Hulu TV, man. At this point, you know. Yeah. Some hey, garbage. Sports, man. Hey, Hulu. If you're trying to sponsor us, you know. Hulu has live sports. Hulu does have live sports. We're big fans of Hulu here on the podcast. You heard it here first. But yeah, thank you all for listening to this episode of The Corner. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace out.